0: Amen. So, so, since our Sundays got a bit messed up, and um, we are going to do the Confessions of Veterans, Pastors, Children in two weeks' time, when I'll be on vacation, coincidentally. Um, so, um, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start a new teaching series, which we'll cover this week and next. Then there'll be the two weeks of the confessions. And then after that, I'll come back to this series, which is entitled Living in a Messed-Up Land. Now, you may look at that and say, well, we're just going to talk about the state of America. I'm not really going to talk about the state of America, but it might have some parallels. I'm actually going to look at the Old Testament book of Judges. And you will never find a more messed up time in history and a more messed up land than the land of Canaan that we know as Israel during that period of the Old Testament book of Judges. Of judges. And that's what I'm going to do over this next few weeks. In the spring of 1976, Jill and I took our young family, we got in the car, we drove north from England, where I was pastoring, and we drove up to a remote corner of the northeast of Scotland. We drove up highway for a while, and then we got onto two lane roads and then the last bit of the journey, some of it was on single track roads. Till we came to a crossroads that looked down on the little village, and we drove into that little village where there was a church that needed a pastor, and it asked if I would come and speak to them because they, they felt that I might be the man that they were looking for. And I remember driving down just the one road in and out of that village, Driving down that road and coming into the center of the village, I said to Jill, I could never live in this place. Two months later, we moved our family to the northeast of <laughs> Scotland and we spent 15 years there. In the summer of 1990, uh, pastor of what was then quite a large church here on Long Island, had asked me to come over from Scotland because he was going to be away for the month of July. And, and he asked me if I would come and basically look after the church for a month. It didn't involve much. It was, I preached the Sunday services. I preached a midweek Bible study. I counseled a few people who asked, yeah, those were in the days where I wasn't admitting I'm no good at counseling, all right? And I was still, I was still doing a botched-up job. Nowadays, I admit the truth and say, I know good counselors. Here's their number. Um, but, but, you know, it, it wasn't too difficult. Our whole family was over. It was like a bit of a summer vacation. It was, it, it, it was a great month. But I remember sitting in his office one day when I was doing some sermon preparation, sitting at the desk and looking out of the window and really getting a cold chill going down my spine, thinking, I could never live here. (laughs) And a year later, 31 years ago this month, (laughs) we moved to Long Island. Here's, now here's the thing, here's the thing. Never tell God you can't because it's not true. Because, here's what the Bible says, with God all things are possible, right? Never tell God you can't because if you get, allow him to be part of the picture, with God, all things are possible. Now, let me tell you why that relates to the story of the book of Judges. And and here's the, here's the thing. You may not be too familiar with the Old Testament book of Judges. I want to recommend you take a look at it and um, maybe sort of read a bit of it in, for your daily Bible reading. Don't try to read it in a King James Bible. Unless you're, you know, if you love, you know, Elizabethan English, feel free, but read it in a translation you can really fully understand. Judges is the story of what happened after the, the history of the children of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt. God sent Moses to deliver them, right? They went through the Red Sea. They had the command, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. You with me so far? Right? <laughs> Okay, And then eventually after 40 years, because they, they really weren't very faithful to God, so he let them walk around in circles, for 40 years they got to the land that God had promised them. And when they got to this land that God said was going to be theirs and had been saying that for centuries, you know, there were people that were living there already, but suddenly there was this huge influx of Israelites. So the land, which was called Canaan, became a mix of believing and pagan cultures. Now God has said to them, you need to drive them out, and you, but, but what happened is they settled there among them. And every day God's people face the choice of looking to Him as their Lord or being carried along by the spirit and the preferences of those around them. I'm gonna say that again and I want you to forget Canaan some years before Christ and think Long Island 2022. Every day God's people face the choice of looking to God as their Lord or being carried along by the spirit and preferences of those around them. And you know what happened with the people of Israel? they failed at it over and over again. Constantly turning from following and obeying God to doing whatever was generally thought to be acceptable. In fact, I read one Bible commentator said this about the book of Judges. He said it really should be entitled Trashy Tales About Dysfunctional Characters. (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna read it now, aren't you? But, but, but it really is, as you go through the book of Judges, even the heroes, the judges who were, the judge was the leader of the, the nation, even the heroes, as you go through the book, become increasingly flawed and failing. And it's a grim story. The story of Judges is very, it's, I could tell you, it, it spans 400 years, but I'll tell you what it is. It starts this way. The people of Israel love God and serve God. They start to get influenced by the godless people around about them and things decline. When they've ignored God for a certain period of time, God withdraws his hand of blessing and they start to suffer. In their suffering, they cry out to God for help. God raises up a judge to lead them back to himself. They come back into relationship with God. And and then when they come back in relationship with God, everything's good for a while. And then they start getting influenced by the world around them. And as their faith wanes and their behaviors change, things go down and down and down until God gets fed up with it, and God sort of withdraws His hand of blessing, and they start to suffer. And then eventually they say to God, please help us. God gives them a judge, and the judge, are you getting the idea here? And some of us here today would be honest enough to say that that up and down actually has signified and indicates some of, some of our spiritual journey as well. I didn't say you're a bad person, I just said, you know, I just said, you know, know, that's similar for a lot of people as well in in, in 2022. That's the way the story really goes. So why are we looking at the book of Judges? In fact, why is a book full of such failure in the Bible at all? And I'll tell you this, here's the simple reason, because Judges reflects the gospel. It's about a God who overflows with love and mercy who works in us and through us despite our resistance at times to walking in his ways. It's story after story in this book of God rescuing his undeserving people out of the messes that sin brings them into and never giving up on them. So I look around here this morning. I can't really see much, to be honest, because these lights are really bright and it's dimmer out there. But I look around this morning, so I'm not looking at any individuals in particular because I can hardly make you out. So, but here's the deal. You know what I'm looking at? Story after story of God rescuing his undeserving people out of the messes that sin has brought them into and God never giving up on them. Amen. So, so here's, here's what happened when the children of Israel went into, um, can you ask him to keep the ice cream cold for a while? <laughs> so, when the children of Israel went, went into the land of Canaan, here's what happened. Judges chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Here's what it says. God was certainly with Judah in that they took over the hill country, but they couldn't. Now, remember what I was saying earlier, when you tell God you can't, they couldn't oust the people on the plain Because they had iron chariots. They gave Hebron to Caleb as Moses had directed. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. Now, so they went into the land. They took over some of the land, but they couldn't take over the rest of it because the enemy was so strong. So that was it. We can't do this. Then I want us just to flick over to the start of Judges chapter 2. And here's what it says. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land, and I swore to give, sorry, to the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. You shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Israel said we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't defeat them we couldn't do what you told us to do God says you disobeyed me why didn't you do this? Israel said we couldn't God said you wouldn't since when has God been put off by the size of the challenge? Read the book, never happened. Since when has anything been impossible to God? Never has been, never is, is not now, by the way, for any of us, and never will be. But the people of Israel looked at the size of the challenge and said, no, we can't do that. And God said, it isn't about what you can't do, it's about you, what you won't do. And the whole history of of God's people through those 400 years is summed up by a verse in Judges 21 and verse 26 where it says this. In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone was a law of themselves, living in a messed up land because there was no direction, no leadership, and everyone did as they saw fit. We can't drive out the enemy. We can't break down the pagan altars. We can't. We can't. And God said, no, it's not about can It's about won't. Listen. We do live in a messed up land. Sin has always messed people up right through history. I'm not saying anything negative about our country. I love this country. But here's here's what it comes down to. Politicians will not change our country. Politicians cannot change our country. I'm sorry. Whatever your party allegiance, neither party's done much to really raise the level of things up in this land. The answer isn't political. The answer isn't even economic. The answer is spiritual. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. It's very simple. It goes back to this statement in the Old Testament that says this. It says, "Blessed are those people." whose God is the Lord. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm not going to talk about out there. I'm going to talk about in here. And what I want to challenge you with today is this. Don't say, I can't to God. Say, I will. Say I will. And what what I'm going to do now, (coughs) that was the introduction, what I'm going to do now (laughs) is is I just want to run through quickly three areas where it's important for us to start to say I will and not to say I can't. If we're going to change the tone and the mood of our nation, we've got to stop saying I can't forgive. We live in an angry nation. There are those who, I believe, have an interest in stoking those fires. We live, as Christians, in a hostile environment. But we are called to be the difference. St. Francis of Assisi nailed it a long time ago, where he, he prayed the prayer that says, Lord, make us instruments of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Where do those things come from? Lord, make us the instruments of these things. I was, uh, science was never my thing when I was in high school. I, I, I couldn't make it out. I couldn't see the use of it. So, so I, I, I really didn't. Physics puzzled me totally. So I, I, I dropped physics as early as I possibly could. I've got a vague recollection of a statement I heard. Now any of you that love this stuff and, and, and can fill me in on this after service, please do. I've got a vague recollection of hearing somebody or other's law. I googled it, I can't find it. Now maybe I made it up, but it sounds good right? That goes something like this. Every atom in the universe can influence every other atom in the universe as it influences the atom that's next to it. No? All right, never mind. Okay, that's a law of physics in case you didn't, obviously you don't know either, so I I should have just said, that is the 52nd law of physics. All right? But I I like the concept. You see, I can't change the world, but maybe I can influence the person that's next to me. And in influencing the person next to me, there's always the possibility they influence the one next to them and they influence the one next to them. And you know what? I I am actually impacting the world because I'm making a difference of the person who's sitting beside me. We need to be the change. And that means we need to approach life with with, with an attitude that sows peace and joy. Herbert Hoover once said, peace is not made at the council tables or by treaties, but in the hearts of men. This messed up land needs men and women that are different. Matthew 5 verse 9, Jesus said this. He said, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. I love the way the message puts that. Some of you will know it in its more traditional um, phrases that says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. When you can show people how to cooperate. Titus 3 says this, Titus 3 and verse 3, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's how we used to be. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. We used to be amongst those who were malicious and envying, hating, uh, and, and, and being hated, and that's how we used to be. But listen, there's a danger that our Christian lives kind of are lived on the curve, and if you're sliding back into some of those things, you know, it's time to start to ask God to help you to move back up to higher ground. I can't forgive. The Bible says, be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. I can't forgive. There's another one, I can't. I can't tell the truth. I'm not saying anybody here is a compulsive liar. He, he, hear me here. The people of Israel were afraid to stand up for the God they served because they lived among people who were totally given up to idolatry. And if we don't stand up for the truth of the God we serve, then who's going to stand up for that truth? If we don't say, this is what's right, then we are gonna to get totally drowned in the garbage that's thrown out from people with special interests from all over the place. I was alarmed the other week to read. I was, I was happy that it happened, but I was alarmed that it had been going on, that, that State Farm Insurance actually had stopped a program where their staff and their agents we're sending lgbtq plus and whatever other numbers letters they got in there nowadays to community centers and to libraries that were targeting children from 5 years and up there's only one thing i want from state farm i want an insurance quote right i don't care what jake from state farm is wearing even <laughs> But it's happening subtly all around us and not so subtly nowadays. Let, let me read you a Bible verse. Now, I know I might lose friends today, but I'm doing what I'm talking about, okay? No good preaching it unless you live it. I'm going to tell the truth, okay? So, over, over, over in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, all right, you won't hear this in a world gone mad, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Okay? Now, now, the danger is we're afraid to make statements like that because we're going to be marginalized and we're going to be criticized and we're going to be condemned and you might even lose your job. But listen. Number one, God created life and God still creates life. Right? So every child that is born is a miracle of God and a gift of God to that family and to this world. So God still, and when God creates, God creates a male or God creates a female. All right? Done deal. Done deal. This is not complicated. But we live in such a messed up, mixed up land that there are evil people who are trying to absolutely manipulate the youngest of our communities who should be the most protected and most special to us. So let's, let's, let's just make it clear, okay? The Bible says God makes men and women. That's it, period. I'm sorry, they tell me they've reduced the number of genders now, it was 100 a while ago, and now it's 70. I mean, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Right? God creates men and women. Done deal. When God creates them as they are born, male or female, if you think it's complicated, go back to your biology classes. It's not complicated at all. If we don't speak the truth, then the fact is we are allowing those who've got a huge megaphone and those who've got real great prominence in the media, we're allowing them to dictate it. Now, I'm not saying to shout on the streets, and I'm not saying you go protest here, there, anywhere, but I'm saying don't be afraid to speak the truth. Don't be afraid. What happened with Israel is they just got sucked in and they were afraid to be faithful to God because there were so many um, godless people around about them and they, they, they were afraid that, that, that of what might happen. But here, here's the good news, folks. God has not retired. He is still the great creator and he is not confused. Amen. But we live in a messed up land. Surrounded by messed up people. And there is a danger that we accept the shifting standards of the world around us. Well, if they're happy, who am I? Psalm 119, verse 46. Then I'll tell the world what I find. Speak out boldly in public, unembarrassed psalmist here is talking about when he studies God's Word. He says, when I see what's in your Word, I'll tell the world what I find, and I will speak out boldly in public unembarrassed. In Canaan, in Israel, at the time of the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When everyone does what is right in their own eyes, well, they're happy. That's how they are. They look fine. They're good with this. They're good with that. You know what happens with that? You get down and down and down and down into the mire. It never lifts a life. That never lifts a family. That never lifts a society. That never lifts a nation. Because there's got to be some standard. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There is a king today. Amen. God bless the queen back home, but there's a king above her. There's a king who is above all kings. And the king says, here's the way you're meant to do stuff. The king says, here's what I want you to follow. And his word needs to be something that not only we are aware of and not only that we follow for ourselves, but as opportunity presents itself to tell the world, speak out boldly, unembarrassed. Because here's what it says in Isaiah 8.20. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, They have no light of dawn. Putting that even simpler is if something doesn't tie up with this, it's not right. It's not right. Let me say something that I say over and over again. When we designed this building, those doors were built as big as we could possibly put them in this space. And part of that was to make this point. They are big enough and wide enough so that everybody and anybody, no matter what they're carrying, can come into this place. And that's still the case. That's still the case, because there are some folks who are going to be hearing some of what I'm saying today and totally misunderstand. But I've got to run that risk because I want to speak the truth. Those doors are open to anybody and everybody carrying all kinds of stuff, all right? doesn't mean I have to agree with everything everybody's into, does it? Right? It doesn't mean to say, and, and you don't. If you wait till you get your act together, till you come here, this building would be empty this morning. Because none of us has fully got our act together. God's still working on us. Is that a fair comment, right? We're all, all of us is a work in progress. So you know what? Those doors are absolutely open to everybody and anybody. But I'll still speak the truth. I hope folks aren't offended by it. But if they are, I'll still speak the truth. Because That's what God called me to do when I was a teenager. To share his word and what he says. Israel was in a mess at the time of the judges. Because everybody did what was right in his own eyes. It was a messed up land. We live in a messed up land. Because everybody seems to do what is right in their own eyes and there need to be some absolutes for individuals and for society as a whole, the absolute of God's Word that says this is what I will endeavor to live my life by. Don't hold back and tell God I can't and say, God, with your help, I will. Let's be salt and light to this world Let's be those who bring peace where there is turmoil. Let's be those who bring truth where there is confusion. And there's a whole other point that I won't get to today, but if you want to go to the Bible app, and if you go into the link to our church in there, you'll find all the rest of what I didn't get time to get to today is there as well. What I want to say is this, folks. We've got to love like nobody else loves And we've also got to be true and not compromise and not give up our testimony because of the influences that there are around about us. Let's pray together.